0: So now, without further ado, we have Mari Naomi, the award-winning author and illustrator of Kiss and Tell. Uh, Dragon's Breath and Other True Stories Turning Japanese, I Thought You Hated Me and Life on Earth Trilogy, the first of which is Losing the Girl which you're all here for tonight Uh, Her work has appeared in over 60 print publications and has been featured on websites such as The Rumpus, LA Review of Books, Midnight Breakfast and, and Buzzfeed Her comics and paintings have been featured by such institutions as the Smithsonian the de Young Museum, the Cartoon Art Museum, the Asian Art Museum and the Japanese American Museum in 2011 and 2018 Marie toured with the literary roadshow Sister Spit. She's the founder of the Cartoonists of Color Database and the Queer Cartoonists Database. Oh, <laughs> 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 we almost there, we're almost there. Uh, she taught classes for the California College of Arts Comics MFA program and was a guest editor for Penn Illustrated. She's the co-host of the podcast Asked by Girls with Miriam Gerba. And um, you're all here for losing the girl, which Jen Wing says, Maria Naomi authentically captures the angst of vulnerability and longing of the teenage soul through not just one, but four unique and distinct voices. Here she is.
1: Hi, thanks for coming out. I'm so happy to see you all here. Um, I'm, this is my first ever graphic novel, like fiction. Graphic novel. Um, I've have four memoirs out so far, but yeah, this is my first time in make believe. So I'm going to talk about how um, how this isn't act. This is actually mostly based on true stuff because that's <laughs> I don't know. Um, don't let me forget those glasses. So uh, this isn't going to be like a straight off reading. I'm just going to be really geeky about this and, and talk about the process here because. I don't know um so should I read this all right well so the origin story of this book is uh like I never really read YA when I was a kid when I was 11 I discovered Kurt Vonnegut and I kind of like went from him and then by high school I was going down this Dostoevsky hole so I was never really into the stuff that was supposedly targeted at my age, Uh, so when I was trying to sell my first book, Kiss and Tell, uh, a publisher, I'm not going to name names because apparently I'm being recorded, uh, uh, they were interested in Kiss and Tell but it was a little too mature and they wanted to know if I would do YA. And uh, I'm like, well, I don't know, I've never read YA. So they sent me a big box of books and I was like, okay, yeah, I could do this. and so she said well why don't you come up with an idea and we'll like a pitch and we'll see you know, the departments or whatever like it and uh, at the time something really traumatic was happening to me uh, where I just found out that a close friend um, an old friend had betrayed me and like we would not been friends for a long time um, and how TMI do I want to get here yeah. um, <laughs> uh, well so she and I were friends for the long, long time, best friends. And then one day she wasn't. And then I found out ten years after the fact that she had been sleeping with my boyfriend at the time. And uh, and instead of and that was the real reason she didn't want to be my friend. I know, right? (laughs) It was pretty traumatic. But this whole time, I'd been blaming myself for the loss of the friendship. She told me I wasn't a good friend. And so I'd been internalizing it this whole time. So anyway, I was going through this whole thing. And I just found out about this. And I was really in this hole. I was ready to stop demonizing her because she was such a close friend. But she'd done this really terrible thing to me. And we weren't speaking like I hadn't spoken to her for a long time, 10 years at that point. And so... um, so I'm like, well, maybe I could work with that. And so I was like, well, how do I, how could she do that to me? And I, so I was trying to see things through her eyes. And so I decided to write a character that, was, that looks a lot like her and thinks a lot like her. And, uh, and to physically, well, not physically, but to literally step into her shoes and eyeballs and to see like, okay, well, what could, I don't think she's a bad person because I don't believe in bad people. You know what are her motivations here, uh, and and that's that was the impetus for this book, which is um, what it turned out to be. Are four different protagonists, the stories told through each of their eyes. Um, all of them, I wouldn't say any of them are likable. I don't think any of them are unlikable. I don't believe in writing likable characters because they bore it me. So uh, and it, and it's interesting because a lot of the bad. Goodreads reviews I've been getting are um, are because, oh, this character's problematic. I'm like, yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> like, that's the point of the character. Um, but whatever, I don't care about Goodreads people. So, <laughs> um, let's see. Everyone's complicated, blah, blah, blah. So, this first guy, uh, so... I'm going to show you each of the characters, um, and this is the first book in a trilogy. So there's, um, I'm working on the third book right now. The second book comes out next year around this time, and uh, and so these characters will develop as we go along. This first character is Nigel Jones. He's uh, he's based on two boyfriends I had in high school, one after the other, and I kind of melded them together. Um, again, this is my first time. Getting published, writing fiction um, as a mature author. So it was. So of course, I was just not writing fiction. I was just writing auto bio, but like giving them names. Um, So this is a little. So he, um, in addition to writing from different points of view, I also chose to illustrate, do the art in four different points of view, um, specific to their worldview. So this guy, he's kind of stylish. He's sort of the he, he as we all are, the hero of his own story uh very self involved as actually all the characters are pretty self involved um, but you can see it in the way that I portray him. he's just like very like all the lines there's no blurriness it's just like very matter of fact and this is the girl he has a crush on her name is Emily, and she's one of the protagonists um the way I portray her in his section is she's sort of idealized she's uh physically the character that the protagonist that resembles me the most but she's not necessarily the one I identify with the most Uh, so they're walking and he's kind of trying to hit on her and he's like "Uh, so uh, have you heard the one about the skate rat and the mongoose And um, that, that's my husband Gary, and I wanted to take pictures of me because my nails will never look this good. So if I seem like I'm like posing, I am. <laughs> Hi, Todd. <laughs> um, so have you heard the one about the skate rat and the mongoose? And he's been making jokes this whole time, and she's like, "Come on, Nigel, get real, huh?" And you see, like her her script here, the the font that's in the world word bubble. All my fonts are hey Steph uh, are are, uh, hand drawn because I don't believe in doing computer fonts but his in this section when she talks uh, she's kind of exoticized she's idealized and her her text is really curly like cursive because that's kind of how he sees sees her as really girly and like this real cute girl Um, but that's not how she is in her own section so anyway, she's telling him to get real. And he's, She says, surely there's a serious side under all that joking around. Because his jokes are really annoying. <laughs> in fact, one of his jokes are the, are the, are me- is mentioned in almost all the bad Goodread reviews because it's so problematic. I'm like, yes, that's the point. That's why she doesn't like him. Anyway, I'll stop talking about Goodreads. <laughs> um, I, I, me and my podca- co-podcaster, Miriam Grover, we did a whole episode about Goodreads and whether or not you should read your reviews which is no but I do it anyway <laughs> anyway so he said, he's getting real here and he says okay life sucks how's that for real uh that's a good start like my dad's so pathetic he has some stupid midlife crisis and the next thing you know my mom kicks him out of the house now he's living in some apartment complex on Mill Street that's like full of all these old divorce people hey son That's weird, she says. I know. If it makes you feel any better, my parents drive me crazy too. They're always fighting. Sometimes, I wish they'd just split up and get it over with. Yeah, well, let me tell you something. Just because they split up, it doesn't mean they'll stop fighting. So this 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 little panel here um, is where I probably identify with her the most because my parents fought a lot when I was a kid and I always like wish they would get divorced. But now looking back, I'm like that wouldn't have stopped the fighting because they'd still have to talk to each other. But so I I allowed her to have this revelation at 15 instead of 35 or whatever <laughs> whenever I realized that. So this uh, this next section this is her through her own eyes. Emily Hiroko Baker. Um, she's got a very black and white uh, point of view everything's wrong or right uh, in the beginning as her uh, world gets a little more complicated throughout the book uh, we see more shades of grey slowly and especially throughout the series you'll see her um, mature visually uh, but her self image is amorphous you could see a little of that in his in his uh, in Nigel's section but with hers she really either like. sometimes she feels really pretty sometimes she just feels really dorky and it's always reflected as you'll see here so here she's looking at her crush Brett and uh, those are her friends up front Claudia and Paula we'll see Paula later so imprint that image on your mind (laughs) Uh, not Claudia uh, Celine sorry Celine says don't waste your time everyone knows that Brett's got it bad for Johanna I know that (laughs) And since she's so pragmatic, I gave her a very pragmatic font—or I don't know if a font can be pragmatic—but to me that is. Uh, and here's Paula saying, "She's been crushed ever since you read that poem at the talent show." And her internal voice says, "I can hear you. Where is she?" Ah, oh, there's Johanna. I'd hate her if she weren't so nice. Hey. Johanna.
0: Hey.
1: Oh, hey. Later, Jay. Nice place. Thanks. I'm watching it for my mom while she's at belly dance camp. Now you could also imprint Johanna here on your mind because you'll see her later through Brett's eyes, um, but through, her, through Emily's eyes she's kind of like this frumpy, plain girl who she can't figure out why Brett likes her. Belly dance camp, I know, right? And I gave Johanna a slightly curly font here, just because she's. Even though Emily sees her as frumpy, she also thinks she's a little fancier because she has Brett's attention. I put a lot of thought into fonts. <laughs> you can't make this up. Ha ha. Hey, I've been meaning to ask. What do you think about Brett Hathaway? Brett Hathaway. And here she is, looking all cute because she feels like she's being all innocent seeming. Brett. Oh, I love him. Love. I think of him like a brother. Oh. His dad used to fool around with my mom. Oh boy. I mean, are you going out or anything? Ew, that'd be like incestuous. Yeah, I think there's laws against that. Har har. Well, I'd better go. Happy dance. So you see her looking very dorky because she feels dork Because she's kind of being a dork. Okay, this next section right here is Bre- Brett Hathaway, her crush, through his own eyes. Um, he's an artist, he's dreamy, he's kind of had a hard life, so I wanted to give him shades of gray for his worldview. Um, and here is Johanna through his eyes, which is a lot more like idealized woman in a Hollywood sort of way. And she says, by the way, what's going on between you and Paula? There's a little spoiler. Uh-oh. And you'll notice his internal dialogue is a lot fancier than his his uh, external, which is this. What you mean, Emily was weird cat lady friend. And uh, and here's just another panel from later. He, he does a lot of uh, his sections very kind of hallucinatory. Um, some of the sections have internal dialogue, a lot of it, and he maybe has the uh oh, but he, it's very minimal. Next and last is Paula Navarro uh, and Emily's friend, and she, her, her, what do I say about this? So this is the character that's based after my friend, and uh, her point of view is kind of like her drawing style, which we see in the beginning, it's like we see the glimpse of her sketchbook, and so it all kind of looks like this and she's got this kind of ongoing internal dialogue internal monologue going and and there's no panels um it's it's very different than the other the other characters and uh and and here's where this guy is breaking up with her and i'm not going to read this part but uh this is emily through her eyes which again is very idealized and uh Oh, I'm gonna go back though because when you see his his um, his font through her eyes, she actually hears him as he is in his own mind, which I thought was th- anyway. Um. <laughs> see, I told you I was gonna geek out. This is so dorky. Um, thank you for not leaving yet. <laughs> so, so this is how she sees her. She's kind of bitter about it, and and this was kind of reflective in things that people told me about my friend once we weren't friends anymore, saying, "Well." She idealized you, and she was in love with you, and she uh, she like was really bitter because she thought you had it good. And I'm like, really? Like while she was sleeping with my boyfriend, she thought I I'm like what was she jealous of? Um, it was pretty weird. So I was I was just really trying to get in her eyes. And here she's feeling bad about herself and saying, I didn't ask to be like this, all crooked teeth and bad skin. And there she is with the rain of guilt coming down
0: upon her. <laughs>
1: anyway so um that's the end of my presentation (laughs) um if uh let's see I I, I don't really have anything else to say about it other than um if you've read my other graphic memoirs I kind of feel like all those were preparing me for the the challenges I was tackling here in fiction and uh and yeah and, and um We could do a short Q&A if anyone has questions. If not, there's still some bags of loquats from my tree over here. There's about nine or ten of them. Don't eat the peels and don't eat the seeds, but they're very delicious. I picked up, picked just the juiciest, most ripest ones that weren't eaten by birds. And I also have um, bookmarks for the book that you can have, even if you're not buying the book. um, What? Would you shit? Oh, yeah, yeah. I I thought you said, would you (laughs) shit? (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: you should <laughs> um, yeah any, any questions about oh yeah what did I learn from the, the YA books I you know well I learned what not to do which is, I think, really valuable. So when I was reading, like, some of the books were good, some of them were not so good, you know, of course. Uh, but I also learned that YA was a lot more than um, either it was when I was a kid or what, or what I gave it credit for. There was a, they were tackling a lot more important or interesting issues. I feel like YA now... Does a better job than YA in the 70s and 80s of talking down to its readers, which was a huge turnoff at the time. So, um, so once I saw that not everyone was doing that, I'm like, okay, I could I could write this. Like, I don't. Um, basically, the only difference to me between reading, uh, writing YA and non-YA is that, well. I couldn't swear as much but also and, and I couldn't show as much sexy, sexy bits but mo- most importantly I just got to dwell on the minds of these teenagers instead of doing what I normally did which was go across a broader expanse of time so um, but the biggest challenge or and by challenge I mean exciting really super fun thing to do was write fiction because um, I could be a lot freer and give away a lot more secrets <laughs> than I was doing. <laughs> yes, Steph? Uh, I want to hear more about like, uh, writing in different POVs because that's like when I mean you've written a lot of memoir and that's been pretty strictly your point of view for a cross-novel book um, and I know that that's something that a lot of fiction writers tangle with but it's interesting to me because you have this in a medium where you're able to
0: kind of use
1: these different methods but can you talk about kind uh, how you approach like well the POV you know, um, well, when I when I'm reading other books, like I feel like that's why I read is to see people's points of view other than my own. I mean, it's just more interesting. Uh, like the the reason I I decided to go with that was because I wanted to show compassion for the characters. And I, there's there's one character so far still in like at the end of book 2 where you still like he still just seems like a bad person but like in book 3 like I'm just I'm getting into his mind and I I just I think it's so ex- exciting to do that I was I just it was it was a, it was probably a not a good interview but I just did this interview where I was talking about compassion and I'm like well uh Ted Bundy also worked at a suicide hotline, and you know he then he made friends and he he saved lives, like you know. So, I'm not saying he's not all bad. He's clearly on the bad part of the spectrum, but you know, the, but everyone's got complicated things happening, and 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 I I just think it's really important. For life, and you know, in life in general, this sounds so hippy dippy. But like that, we, you know, if we're going to understand each other, we have to learn how to get into each other's shoes. And and so, but like really, I was super interested in getting into this one woman's shoes and eyes, like, and and to figure out, like, just to get past my anger, which. Kind of not really worked. I don't know, <laughs> but it, I think it turned into a good book. Um, also, what's interesting is so I didn't end up going with that first publisher who um, was sent me the box of books. They uh, they saw so the, obviously the thing that I was most excited about this was the point of view thing because it's never been done before. I mean, it's been done in novels. I've I've heard that there, there's a or maybe. It's a book movie called Rashomon, but I've never seen it. So I know someone else has done this, and I, you know, they they do. There are different books that conquer different points of view, but as far as I know, there's never it's never been done visually. So I was really excited to do something that never has been done before, and I spent the last ten years in terror that someone else is going to do it because it's such an obvious thing to do. Like as a cartoonist, like of course you, why wouldn't you do this? But apparently that was that's why it took forever to sell because no one wanted something that was different Uh, and that's why they rejected it at that first publisher was because they're like well we like it but um, can you just draw it in one style? I'm like no (laughs) oh yeah there's also aliens in this book I forgot to mention (laughs) But that's sort of a backstory; story. It doesn't come out until later. But there's, throughout the, the thing that ties everything together is that there's a missing girl named Claudia Jones who has potentially been abducted by aliens. But that's not important. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. Does that answer your question? Oh, <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> um,
0: so you mentioned what you liked about writing uh, the challenges of writing a fictional piece. What were some of what was the downside, or what were some of the differences that you were more challenging writing fiction, than fiction
1: that you not really like? What did I not like about fiction? I don't know. I I think I liked it all. I mean, it was harder because I I couldn't be like. Oh, like I had to, I had to design everyone's clothes. Like, like with, with my memoir, I'm like, oh, let's just look at people like in this time and place, or let's or let's look at pictures of of what was happening or what was going like the area that I lived in. But like, I had to make everything up and like. I made up this town. I made up all the architecture. I made up all the people, and I started it ten years ago. And I didn't know what kids would be wearing when, when, or if this would get published. So I'm like, well, uh, I don't want this to look dated. So let's just try something wacky here. Uh, yeah, I think I think the scariest thing for me when writing, writing through someone else's eyes, is um, well, my, the first character's black, and I'm not, and and. And I was terrified I was going to get something wrong, so that was scary. Um, we sent it to a sensitivity reader though. I know, I know. Um, who pointed out a little things here and there, and he thought the, the biggest problem would be that he was dating, um, well, that he's dating a half Asian girl. Um, so far, I haven't seen that in the criticism yet, but like every time I get like a one-star review from a black person, I'm like, "Oh shit. Like, did they see something that I don't know about? Like, um, this is scary. Uh, and yeah, so that, that was that was the scariest part. Oh. <laughs> Glad this is being recorded. <laughs> is, is there anybody else? Oh. Um, Vivi, I love the kimono. <laughs> it you did. It's okay. <laughs> Asian Pacific American Month? Yeah. Some That's hashtag. Um, what was the most surprising thing about
0: working on this book? Whether it was so important in, in, in regards something like that? I don't think that it was
1: surprising what was the most surprising thing I think um, the editing process was really surprising to me uh, because there are a lot of things that when I was reading the YA books like they got kind of raunchy like those kids were doing some stuff and like I these kids do some stuff and and it was weird what I could and couldn't show and I completely understand why like my editor who's he's fantastic but he's like okay well gatekeepers aren't gonna like this or that like they're gonna call it porn and and take it off so could you just make an insinuation of this happening so basically any kind of body parts like I didn't have straight I didn't have much straight up nudity (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, but that had to get taken out. There was a lot of swear words that I fought tooth and nail for uh, to keep as many as possible and, and now I'm seeing what he was talking about because a lot of these... Oh, today on... <laughs> this is going to be about me reading my own reviews <laughs> but today on Amazon uh, I didn't realize that people were re- reviewing on the book on there. I'm like, oh, what's this? And uh, someone... So they really like the book, but um but there is some pretty problematic language in there that I used to just you know, there's this one bully and he calls this kid a faggot, and I'm like, that's very problematic. It's supposed to show that this guy's an asshole, and this this guy's like, I don't think parents will appreciate she's teaching our kids the word faggot. I'm like, I'm not teaching them the word. <laughs> they know the word, come on. I'm teaching them that this this asshole is This guy who's not supposed to be good (laughs) is using this bad word and we'll get maybe repercussions or maybe we won't. Yeah. That was that was surprising. As far as the process though of creation, like I think maybe I was surprised by how much freedom I felt all of a sudden where I was like, Oh oh, it doesn't matter what actually happened. Like, oh, it doesn't matter if there's supposed to be a tree there. There's a tree there now. And they're, you know, it's, it's like, it's very powerful. It's very godlike to suddenly be able to do whatever the hell you want with the... God, i got to stop swearing with your universe. And, and I, I also... Um, one thing, in the, in the beginning, when I was first writing out this script, I, I noticed that I was very... Uh, Really attached to the characters, and when I had to like hurt them, I felt bad. <laughs> Still did it, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, they don't actually exist, so except one of them who I have to have an epilogue. This, this woman who I did not speak to for 20 years, I just spoke to her for the first time, and it went really well. And so, I'm happy because so I have closure now. I won't go on about that, I didn't have much say over the cover. Uh, I don't. I'm not really good at making cover or graphic design type stuff. So, uh, so they had ideas. I drew everything. Like the, this is my own art, but I just um, and they asked for a bunch of concepts, and uh, it's, it's very democratic with these. And and this sorry, I, I think that the the cover designer, her name's is Lindsay, um, is all like this is all her work. Even though I drew it, I mean I had I had like my say in it, but yeah, again, I'm not good at it. <laughs> oh, thanks, thank you. Yeah, they they pretty much reject all my cover ideas, <laughs> as they should. <laughs> I'm good at other things. Cool. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Um, you talked so
0: much about how you differentiated the character's point of view and really, like, through their universe. Mm -hmm. Um, This may be a spoiler, but are you going to draw any of the aliens later? And if so, are they
1: different to the different characters? Well, there may or may not be aliens, but there are, and yes, you will. (laughs) Um, In book two, okay, this is a spoiler, but you will see from... One of the characters, one of you, who may not be entirely human—you'll uh, you'll see her pr- perspective in its full color, and uh, and everyone is kind of how they are, and so, which I'm really excited about. <laughs> A year from now, when you get to see it. <laughs> awesome!
0: I'm excited. Yeah. Speaking of other books, did you know?
1: I knew from the get-go like what the story would be in general. Yeah, I, I knew that. Um, this, this, I feel like this is a pretty good book in itself. Like if you just read this, I don't think it'd be well. I don't know. What do you, people who've read the book like? What do you think? Do, do you? You need more. Yeah, you need more. Okay. Yeah, I, I did have a. I I might not have cemented exactly what was happening, but I kind of knew intuitively what was happening. Um, that was another thing about the editing process, because like everything needs to be explained, and and I'm very very like as you see, especially with the fonts, I'm super deliberate with everything, so I, I feel lucky about that. But my editor was like, okay, well, why did you use the grid here, and why did you have this color here, and and luckily I had all the answers. I just had to somehow figure out how to say them in words, because you know it was just kind of floating around like my intuition. <laughs> Did I answer your question? <laughs> cool. <laughs> Thanks. Well, if anyone else have any? You tell me
0: what you learned about
1: cursive. What did I learn about cursive? Oh, that kids can't read it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if this, uh, I think if this gets into second printing, I'm going to have to change the cursive to italics because there are kids who are like, I can't read this. I'm like, so. But, but the other subsequent books, I've taken the cursive out. So angry. (laughs) I love cursive. (sighs) Anyway, so I guess I'll be signing some books here. Please take some loquats. Don't make me eat them all. Bad things happen when I eat too many loquats. Yeah, thank you for coming. Yes. Yeah, so she's right. We're going to set up a signing table
0: right now.